Hi, I'm Ashley, and you're listening to Miss Gender, a continuously updated documentary by my close friend Jay Frosting and me about my perspectives on being trans and my ups and downs as I transition. Jay and I are mostly here to chat about what it's like to have rebooted my life. We welcome your questions and comments on each episode at misgender.com, on Twitter at misgender, or you can email us at misgenderpodcast at gmail.com. You're listening to the audio version of this episode, but we also have a video version that you can watch or subscribe to by visiting iTunes or misgender.com and finding this episode, Ashley's New Vagina, which was published on July 12, 2017. Hi, sweetie. Hi, Jay. May I call you sweetie? You can call me sweetie. I have powers. Yes, other other straight white men cannot call me sweetie. Oh my goodness, I feel special. Yeah. Hey, guess what? I had surgery. Like you didn't you didn't let me guess. Okay. Hey, guess what? Uh, you really enjoy to eat its its. N- n- no. Uh, Those things are great, though. Maybe there's another thing. Did you have surgery? I did, yeah. I did have surgery, yeah. First of all, I'm glad you came through it, okay? Yes. Because at least you look like you're sitting comfortably and moving around and stuff. More or less. I mean, it's been, as we record now, it's been just about a month since I had surgery, which was on April 27th. First of all, your hair looks your hair looks super good. I just want to tell you that. Oh, thank you so much. I had it... I, I had my hair done just today. Okay. So I don't know if it's going to look like it's tomorrow, but it's nice for today at least. Sure. <laughs> You're cute. Yeah. What kind of surgery did you have? In the spring of 2015, so right about two years ago. Uh, back when America was innocent. I put in a down payment with uh, Dr. Marcy Bowers for uh, bottom surgery or gender confirmation surgery or among other names. It was over, over the winter of just from five months ago that I told my parents about this. Oh, oh, oh. Yes. Well, the thing is, I didn't know what their reaction would be. No. So in case it was going to be bad, I didn't want to tell them like two years ago and then have them be giving me like stink eye for two years or yeah, whatever. Yeah. So I told my parents back in uh, December when I was visiting them. And just to kind of flash back to one of my previous surgeries, which was facial feminization surgery, that one was in 2014. And I too told my parents about four or five months ahead of time. Mm. That time around, my parents were, they just, they couldn't be less interested, it seemed. Yeah. I mean, we could probably have a thing in the show notes about the link to that exact episode. Absolutely. Sure, sure. They had some very basic questions about it, but they didn't really they didn't really seem interested at all. So flash forward to this most recent December when I told my parents about this surgery, and they seemed much more engaged about what was how the recovery was going to be and where I would be staying and things like that. And, um, and in fact, my mom even offered, she said to me, this is back in December that, um, I'm not sure if you have someone who's going with you, but if you don't, I could go with you. 
which I thought was... Yay, Mom. I know, right? I thought that was pretty huge because the last time that wasn't going to happen. Yeah. It didn't. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. It's been, a, it's been a long six years, but they seem to have started acting normally like parents. They kind of seem to be getting there. I mean, they seem to be kind of at a point where most of my close friends were maybe like six or seven weeks out from when I yeah. came out to them. So in other words, like, yeah, they might mess up occasionally, but they, when they do, they tend to correct themselves and they get my name right uh, quite a large percentage of the time. So mm -hmm. <laughs> wow. considering how things had been three, four, five years ago, I could hardly have guessed that that was going to, how things were going to turn out. No, yeah. I'm glad. Yeah. Oh, I found that really hardening because it seems like they're, they're starting to maybe turn the back corner. It seems like a good sign. Yeah. Yeah. I mentioned to my mom after she offered this that uh, actually my friend Dinah, who lives in San Francisco, had quite generously offered that I could stay at her apartment with her and her boyfriend, Joe. Super great. Yeah. That was so thoughtful and kind of her to, to do that. I decided to take three weeks off from work because um, Dr. Bauer said that the recovery time would be like four to six weeks to be like mostly recovered, I think. Oh. Okay, so you get 50% recovery within X number of months, and then twice as many months later, you're at 75% and so on. Mm. With that being said, I took three weeks off from work. I, I might have been able to sort of finagle more time off from work, but I didn't really want to push it. So I just went with the three weeks. Okay. And um, That is a lot to ask for at once. It is, especially in countries that aren't in Europe. Because they all do that as a matter of course in Europe, just to enjoy watching uh, football. Right, right. So um, my plan was that I would spend two weeks in San Francisco and then one week back at home recovering. Okay. So um, I flew down to San Francisco on a Sunday with the surgery being on a Thursday. I had the pre-surgery appointment on... Um, it was on, on the Tuesday, and that was actually maybe half an hour or so. It, it was not a terribly long appointment. I think in part because I had all these forms to fill out ahead of time as far as what medications are you taking and what is your past surgical mm. history and does mm -hmm. you have any family history of such and such. And that went fine. And then the day before surgery, I actually had to go through one of these bowel prep things like sort of like you would with a colonoscopy, one of those. Uh, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to be intelligent about this. Does it, does it have something to do with... Um, nope. Barium? Is that a thing? It might be a thing. Was barium involved? It sounds... Yeah, it at least sounds like barium. Okay. Yeah. It wasn't as bad as I was worried that it might be. Yeah. But... Oh, um. Cool. A tip that I heard from a couple of other trans women who've gone through this and who've had to do the bowel prep and so on is that um, you get this, like, it looks like a, a milk-sized jug of, well, it's of the, of the goop, the potion. No, milk size. <laughs> do you mean a gallon yes. or a half gallon? Yes, gallon size. <laughs> okay. Yes, yes. 
Good work, Colombo. <laughs> Thank you. So you can flavor it with other, like Kool-Aid or Crystallite or Tang mm, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Mm. But the trick is, from what I've heard, and I, and I would tend to agree with this, pick a flavor that you kind of like, but not a flavor that you love. Ah. Because... Because you don't want to associate it with yes, being bad. Right. Because, for instance, my friend Katie, she really likes Tang. So she flavored hers with Tang. But yeah. she ended up such bad associations that she hasn't drank Tang since. Oh, man. Yeah. She Kubricked herself. That's too bad. Yeah. So what did you pick? The drink came with, like, a generic packet of, like, lemon drink flavoring. Uh-huh. Like... Basically, the Pathmark version of lemon Kool-Aid. I didn't know what else to put in there, but mm. the strategy that I kind of worked out as, as I was going along is um, Dinah had picked up uh, some grapefruit juice, which I, I like quite like grapefruit juice. I didn't mix the grapefruit juice in there, but I had that as a chaser. Because ah, you good. have to drink eight ounces of this potion at a time but the grapefruit juice being quite acidic, uh, it's kind of a palate cleanser as well. So, so you don't gulp down the oh. whole, you don't gulp down another eight ounces of grapefruit juice, but just uh-huh. maybe a couple of sips of it, just to kind of, so your mouth doesn't taste like this weird barium or Smart. whatever the thing yeah. is. Yeah. Did you have to drink the whole gallon over a period of time? Yes. So I had to drink the whole thing. I wow. had to drink eight ounces every ten minutes. Jesus. I know, right? The other thing was that. I wasn't allowed to have any solid food the whole day before. Oh boy. Yeah. It did it took a little rethinking on my part because normally I avoid drinks with calories in them. Uh-huh. Other than say cocktails or things like that. Oh, naturally. Right. So Donnie and I picked up some like full sugar or full whatever sweetener, uh ginger ale, for example. So I, I drank that throughout the day just so I could get some caloric intake. Oh, okay. Because if I were to drink, like, Diet Squirt, which is one of my favorite sodas ever... Yeah. What? Did you... Are you wincing at my Diet Squirt? I think the flavor is fine. <laughs> the, the, the name is hard to hear. <laughs> so I'll let's say that on the day before surgery, while I'm, I might normally be chugging down Diet Squirt or whatever, or Diet Coke, I intentionally went with beverages that had sugar and calories in them so I wouldn't okay. feel woozy and so on. Yeah, smart. Yeah. Another tip for listeners who might be going through this, sometimes your mouth can yearn for chewing on things. Mm-hmm. Which probably sounds weird until you haven't chewed on something in 12 hours. But, like, sure. popsicles can be good for that. Cool. The only thing is you, you need to make sure that there's no dairy in the popsicle, no, like, s- fruit solids and so on. Because oh. the whole deal, at least in this context, is that they're supposed to be clear liquids. Oh. Which doesn't mean clear the color, it just means clear the viscosity. Yeah. So you can have, so like, can a, see a grape popsicle, and that's fine, but... Actually, I'm sure that our, our audience is uh, eagerly waiting to hear what happened to you vis-a-vis knives. Right, right. So, um, 
before Knives Day, day before Knives Day, I actually, I mean, you may have seen, for people who follow me on Twitter, I was like, is it customary to say goodbye to your junk, like, the night before? Because, like... <laughs> oh, okay. I, um... Yeah. It's not like I don't have those cells anymore. They're just in different places now. Right. I still have the cells that used to be a wing-wing, but it's just a different shape. Okay. Yeah. So, th- what I went with was, uh, in my sort of goodbye speech or whatever, but I was saying, like... Best of luck in your new living arrangements. <laughs> That's really cute. Yeah. And I had sort of a goodbye thing and, you know, because it was getting, the, my, my bits are going through a lot of trauma the next day. Yeah. Yeah. I would have been, I would have been really scared. Once I got all the forms taken care of and all the stupid payments sent in, because I was paying out of pocket, that actually made it slightly less scary at this point. This is like two weeks out. From, oh. So once I had all that down and I was officially on the schedule, good to go, I mean, then that, okay, that, I felt a little better about that. Interesting. But then, sure enough, yeah, on, I would say, day before surgery, getting onto surgery day, that was, I was kind of antsy about that. Um, but Dinah, being the kind person that she is, she, um, she and I went to the hospital together, and then she waited me with me in the sort of waiting room, and uh, she was a good calming influence, and she was super thoughtful and, and caring about that. Oh, wait, that's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah, Dinah, Dinah's good people. And um, the surgery itself was, I think, three and a half hours or so. Wow. Yeah, and... Just for comparison, my facial feminization surgery was about eight hours. Oh, oh, okay. Now, that's not to say that that this was a, a short surgery, because three and a half hours is still a decent-sized surgery, but more so just that my facial feminization surgery, that one was actually really long. For this surgery, for GCS, gender confirmation surgery, the waiting room, I gather, had a, a flat-screen TV sort of thing with patients in surgery within like a traffic light thing of currently in surgery or in the recovery room or what have you. So, oh, okay. so Dinah would know how, how things are going. At any rate, so they, they wheeled me up to my room and I saw, from what Dinah tells me, she went to talk with uh, Dr. Bowers to see how it went. And uh, apparently Dr. Bowers said that my surgery was like on a scale of 1 to 10, like a 12. That's off the charts. It is. So the surgery was on a Thursday, and I got out of the hospital on a Sunday. And apparently that's mm. the standard thing, at least for Dr. Bowers, that it's on the third day you get to go home, unless something goes really terribly. Yeah, okay. It didn't hurt as much as I thought it would. Now, does that mean that you thought it would be pain of a 12 on a scale of 1 to 10? I was... Worried, for example, that like maybe when I shifted in the hospital bed, that it might tug mm-hmm. on some of the stitches and hurt or things like that. Yeah. Um, now, of course, the, the Percocet that they had me on probably helped. I'm, I'm sure it did. So, I mean, there were times it was uncomfortable, but it wasn't, it wasn't unbearable. It seems like the doctor knows what she's doing. I think so. I think so. And uh, the more I think about it, 
I think one of the differentiators with better surgeons, I mean, certainly getting better results is a good thing, but also the recovery time seems to be not as severe from, huh. I mean, this is of course in my limited sample set of having bottom surgery and then having facial feminization surgery and so on. But it seems that to me that some of the better surgeons perhaps use fewer knife cuts or um, are more deft in their... Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So I was actually on bed rest for the first two days in the hospitals for Thursday and Friday. So I couldn't get out of bed for anything. Wow, that sounds annoying. Unless you don't want to get up. Well, I didn't super want to be moving around. But also, I had planned ahead because I knew I'd be stuck in the hospital bed. So the hospital, they had Wi-Fi. So I had my iPad and my iPhone. I preloaded movies on them in case the Wi-Fi was shit. It turns out the Wi-Fi is actually pretty good. Like, That's good. better than an average hotel good, which I was impressed with. I was also quite fortunate in that I had visitors to come see me in the hospital. Like wow, my awesome. friends, Matt and Julie, they came to visit me in the hospital because they live in the Bay Area. And yeah. my friends, uh, Jeff and Carla, they came to visit me. So that was, that was super nice of them. That's great. Yeah. So she said, I'm, I'm sure my hair was all janky and so on. Cause I bet they don't care. Well, probably not. On the Saturday, which would be the day two days after surgery, that was when I had my first uh, walkies around the hospital floor. You didn't pee on the floor, though. No. No. Okay, good. I've heard that some trans women who go through the surgery sometimes feel lightheaded as they're walking or what have you, or it'd be quite uncomfortable. I mean, for me, it wasn't a walk in the park, but I, mm. I, mean, I managed to do it, and I, I, I was okay. So, so that was good. And then on the Sunday, they let me go home, or at least go home to Dinah's place. How did your nail polish fare throughout all this? Did it? I tried a new nail polish system thing. Like, mm. It's a powder-based nail polish. Have you heard of this one? No. You keep inventing new substances to put on your nails. I know. So the, I, this is one that I got done at Salon. Basically, they paint on, like a, it looks like a clear coat or something. And, uh -huh. and then they dip your finger into, like, it looks like confectioner sugar. Okay. Except it's a, a pigment. Yeah. And then um, they go through that process a couple of times, and then, then they kind of buff it so it's smooth and not bumpy or whatever. Yeah. This process um, goes with several brand names. The one I happened to go through was called NextGen. It's even more durable than than gel polish because I didn't yeah. want my nails to be janky while I was in the hospital. Heaven forbid. Did you go straight back to bed when you got to Dinah's place? No, actually, I, I didn't. Um, I think I had a, a Percocet that morning around 8 or something. And they also gave me a whole bottle of Percocet so that I could take them as needed. Or share with friends. Sure, you know, why not? <laughs> we got back to Dinah's place and um, we sat in the, the living room and put on some music. And I just kind of chilled out for a while. Mm. It was just nice being able to just breathe in air that wasn't hospital air, you know. 
And Are you trying to tell me that you smoked a little doobie? No, actually, I didn't. Although, if, if Dinah were to have offered, I'd probably take her up on it. Because it's legal here. I know, right? Ish. Actually, they just made it more legal. What? More we're still, legal? We're still waiting on that. You don't need a medical excuse anymore. I like your phrasing of medical excuse, because... Reason, excuse. Yeah. It's a fine line. So, so at any rate, um, it was nice just being able to sit on a couch that wasn't a hospital bed and to yeah. look out Dinah's window that wasn't the genetic picture on the hospital wall. Uh-huh. And, <laughs> you know, just listen to the occasional car drive past that wasn't just, you know, the sounds of nurses in the hallway and things. It was nice just not to be in a hospital. That's good. Yeah. In the days following, I actually had a, um, a follow-up appointment on the Wednesday. So just to recap, I had surgery on Thursday, got out of the hospital on Sunday, had a post-surgery appointment on Wednesday. And part of what was inconvenient or what have you in the time leading up to the post-surgery appointment is that I, I had a catheter to drag around. I was about to ask, what, how, what kind of bandages did you were you dealing with? Right. So when I was in the hospital, I was bandaged up like a mummy down there. Yeah. And, um, and then actually on, I think it was maybe Saturday afternoon or so, they took off the majority of the bandages. But I still couldn't see the results really because... I didn't have the constitution to be able to lean forward and sit up in bed to see things. Oh. At the time in, in, in the hospital. Okay. But the nurses, they did actually get a hand mirror for me and I, so that I could see what things looked like. Okay. Of course, things are so swollen that, I mean, it just kind of looked like the Muppet version of a bulldog. It wasn't... <laughs> it, wasn't it wasn't the best looking thing, but... I knew that going into it. I was okay with that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I had this catheter that I had to drag around with me, which was fine, I suppose, but just kind of inconvenient. Yeah. Because things like when you want to take a shower and then like... Yeah. I mean, fortunately, it had like sort of a coat hook like thing on the top of it so you could hang it off the towel rack or something, but it was still... Oh. Yeah. Okay. Plus, it was like you were on a on a tether because you had this thing, and yeah. So that wasn't that wasn't so great. But um, I mean, I had some bleeding, which I I understand is a, a normal thing. Mm. And I mean, I'm not talking like a nosebleed kind of bleed, but just like a drop of blood here, a drop of blood there. So I was making use of uh, maxi pads out of the hospital to help prevent blood from making a mess of other things. I don't want you to think I'm making light of you. No, don't. Don't worry. But I know that you always felt left out that you don't menstruate. So was that kind of exciting? In a way, yeah. That's like making up for lost time. Although... Except for all of the discomfort that you were having. But I think that's part of the process, too. It would have been nicer if it hadn't leaked through my pajamas once or twice. Sure. But I suppose that's also, you know, yeah. what can happen with menstruation and. Yeah, totally. So, 
if you're curious about what a maxi pad deal is. No, I'm, I'm familiar, but you can show the rest of the audience. Yeah, so it's it, it got adhesive on one side and this absorptive thing on the side. And then this backing comes off and this part goes in your underwear and then this catches the blood and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That is longer than I thought they were, I'll be honest. It looks like it's longer than your head. It is very long. I will vouch for that. I mean, it basically loops around the whole apparatus. Of, yeah. Yeah. Wow. If you're standing up versus lying down, gravity can do different things to blood. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, I know, right? I get it. Yeah. The catheter kind of messes up the whole system with the maxi pad because you can't mm. between your underwear and the maxi pad you can't get a really good seal as it were because you got this tube coming out yeah for other people who might be going through this it can be handy to have like a couple of sacrificial pairs of underwear that you figure you're just gonna throw away at the end or yeah. whatever okay so yeah so i had the the cather thing and then um but then on, on the Wednesday after surgery, I had the follow-up appointment. One of the things they did there was to take out the packing. And indeed, yes, I was stuffed like a Thanksgiving turkey. Oh, right. Because they didn't- To keep you from closing up. Right, they didn't want things to, to close up, so. It's like a really expensive ear piercing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I was kind of worried that Taking the packing out might hurt, but it turns out it was actually okay. Oh, good. Um, I did have a quarter of a Percocet tablet, mm. but I'm not sure whether I even really needed that. Yeah. So uh, they, they took the packing out, which was nice, because when you got the packing there, it, it really feels weird. It's probably the best way I can put it. Part of it's sad. I, I imagine the whole thing felt weird well the whole thing does feel weird and um but not in a negative connotation way just you know unusual right just unusual right right so and as well the packing like presses against your your bladder so it means that it feels like you have to pee but you don't actually have to pee oh man okay yeah so that was kind of kind of weird but um so Getting the pack out was nice, and then it was time for them to teach me how to do the dilating. And Oh, you warned me about this. When you have bottom surgery, your body doesn't know that it's a vagina. It just sees like, oh, there's a hole here. We should heal that close. Of course, wow. that's not what you want. No. So for people who've gone through this, they have to essentially insert medical grade dildos for 15 minutes at a time typically about three times a day for the first however many months and uh and actually i brought them i have i have some the, the ones here yeah oh here that you got that at the hospital i did i got this at the hospital and these are the ones they gave me that they're color-coded so uh, all righty so there's three sizes and they're all the same length, but they're different widths. 
I gotta be honest, that's bigger than I thought. Yeah, that it is. It is sizable, and so I mean, you start out with the the narrower one, which is purple, and then um, so you use this one for one to three weeks, and then you use the blue one for one to three weeks, and then you use the green one for the rest of the time. Okay. They inserted this jobby, and they if you might be able to see there are little dots on it. Oh, okay. Right. And those are a marker for, so you know, how far to insert it. Uh. So the first time they inserted it until it was the right amount, and then they showed me, okay, so now you know, go up to the second to last dot. In my case, for other people, it might be a different dot. Oh, I see. Uh, okay. Yeah. It's not like you start at the earliest dot and then move on to other Right. Dots. So apparently, the length that you start with is the most lengths that depth that you're going to have. Okay. So that you could apparently lose some if it starts healing shot. Oh. oh. But if you dilate and so on, then you can at least keep at that starting point. Interesting. Yeah. But then right. I apparently you can gain width because these get bigger as they go along. Yeah. Yeah. All right. And the thing with dilating, it's not a very comfortable thing. I mean... That is unfortunate. Because unlike... Unlike, say, a dildo that might be made out of silicone or what have you, like, mm -hmm. these are hard plastic. Yeah. I mean, like the kind of plastic that you would, I don't know, like you'd make an iPad out of or something. Like, they're, they're not going to bend at all. They're clearly just solid. And mm. the other part that doesn't help things is that by design, they're design, they're meant to be as wide as possible for the opening available. Right. So it's it's stretching your insides the whole time. So that's that's not great. And then um, I'm not sure what you're saying. So I'm currently on the one that's blue, which is the middle size. Mm -hmm. And with uh, with say with say a traditional sex toy or what have you, you would have one that maybe has textures or whatever, and it could be designed so that it is not a tight fit because that would be uncomfortable. Whereas this is designed to be a tight fit. That is, that is its goal. It's designed uh -huh. to be, in fact, at the very threshold of what can fit. Well, oh. Does that sort of make more well, sense? Have you I guess. Have you tried something thinner just for fun? I don't know which ones are good ones to get. That's what Amazon reviews are for. Well, that is true. And, well, plus on top of that, for people who are listeners or viewers, if you have suggestions on fun things to try, I'm open to that. All right. I do have a Hitachi magic wand, so that I got that part covered, but that's not an insertion Hell thing. Yeah. That's just another fun thing. No. No, don't insert that. No. No. <laughs> that would hopefully not fit. So you got the three sizes, and I'm on the, the middle blue one. Yeah. You look like a really ineffective wolverine right now. <laughs> yes, I suppose so. Right. Yes. And the other thing with these is that my vagina doesn't produce its own lubrication, so I have to mm -hmm. slather these up with lube and so on. In fact, I mean, that's part of, I guess, the inconvenience with these that Okay, so each dilation session is 15 minutes 
uh, once you get the thing inserted and so on. But once right. you add in the tidying up time and, and the setup time and so on, it's really closer to half an hour. Mm-hmm. So it's it's kind of inconvenient because, like, I mean, we've all had those days where perhaps you have an early morning hair appointment or oil change appointment or something, mm-hmm. and you wake up just in time so that you can have a shower and rush out the door. But now you can't really do that anymore because maybe it takes you normally, I don't know, an hour to get ready in the morning if you had to now, but now it's like an hour and a half. So oh, yeah, yeah. that's not great. Uh, what did you say? It's worth it? Considering that this is the best option I've got. Sure, yeah, uh-huh. this is worth it, yeah. But you're not going to skip a day. No, I wouldn't skip a day. No. I mean, it's it's like um, like if someone's house were on fire and someone jumped out of the second story building into the bushes and you're like, is it worth it jumping out of the, the second story <laughs> window? I see. They're probably like, All well, right. yeah, it was better than the other thing. Yeah. All right. Yeah. But fortunately, as far as the timing goes, so for the first three months, I have to dilate three times a day. And... Most people think, okay, three times a day. What else do I do three times a day? Well, meals, like breakfast, lunch, right. dinner. So it can be very easy to think instinctively, okay, I need to dilate at like 8 a.m. and noonish, and then at 6 or 7 p.m. Mm-hmm. But the thing is that really your dilating is spaced based off of being evenly divided by the 24-hour day, not divided oh. by the hours that you're awake. It's you want to have one roughly eight hours so that when you have three of them, that's a 24 hour day. So for me, I typically dilate like around 10 a.m. and then around like 6 p.m. and then one around like 11 p.m. or so. Okay, that's funny. I I walk around thinking that my meals are evenly spaced throughout the day, but they're really not at all. They're closer to being evenly spaced within the hours that you're awake. So that's that's yeah. less far off than just within the twenty four hour time cycle. But anywho, yeah, we're not, we're not a food podcast. <laughs> yeah. So so for dialing, I mean, I it comes down to I have a a bed pad, which is, I mean, they're they're just the same things as what you'd use for like train pet training pads. They're mm-hmm. thin and. I don't know, like poster board size. So I sit that on the bed, and I've got my lube and. I've got my my mirror, which I use. In part because you, well, uh, yeah, I I use the mirror so that I can see if I've got up to the right dot on the thing. Oh, okay. Because it's hard to look over when you're so lying I, I down. I think that you would you the, would know instinctively if you'd found the wrong hole. Yeah, yeah. I, I have not put things in the wrong hole, so that's good. I don't know if that's going to go on the show. Although I have done other stupid things, like um, I've installed a maxi pad upside down. I've done that before. Uh-huh. So the sticky bits are on your oh. trunk. Not good. Oh, actually, that, that sounds too sticky. So that's not very nice. And then, of course, it's not absorbent. And yeah. <laughs> sure. And I'm sure like 13 year old girls go through this, but you know, I'm 13 at heart or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So dilating is, is not the most fun, but it's, I mean, what can you do? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
and I, I am fortunate that I'm able to work from home, so that that gives me a bit more leeway as far as scheduling for when I dilate and, and that sort of thing. Yeah. Oh, great. Yeah. For trans women who work in an office, like many people, I've heard some people who, for instance, perhaps their office has a uh, a room for breastfeeding women or or other other rooms that have some privacy to them but that's smart yeah but it is, it is sort of a, a tough situation to, to deal with yeah totally yeah well let me ask you a, a very important question mm. how do you feel i feel i feel pretty good all in all i found that um for me one of the turning points was like around day 10 or so that was that was the point where i could go from lying down to standing or from standing to lying down without too much difficulty. Hmm. I I have to get accustomed to, for instance, using my upper body to push off of the armrests on a chair or bed when I'm standing up because I don't want to rely on those abdominal muscles, which yeah, yeah. gone through all that. Uh. And so I'm especially glad that um, I didn't opt for also getting top surgery at the time which is is an option with many surgeons who do this sort of thing that they could oh. do bottom surgery and top surgery at the same time oh wow but then it, I, wow yeah like if you're in bed and you've had surgery on top and bottom like do you just sort of flump out of bed and things i mean yeah that sounds kind of hard eat eat floor toast my friend Alyssa actually she told me a bit She'd also gone through the surgery, although with a different surgeon. And she very specifically actually said that up until day 20, that was when she things were somewhat tough for her. Oh, yeah. That um, up until that point, she was often just kind of um, recovering in bed and, and that sort of thing. And so, um, And so in my case, even though I took three weeks off, which is more than 20 days, I had a number of days before the surgery part. So it meant that I ended up returning to work before day 20 for me. So that was yeah. not as great, but I, I mean, I no. made it through. Okay. And, and honestly, one of the things that has been tough and is still a bit tough is just sitting for long periods of time because you're sitting on the thing that just went through surgery. Mm-hmm. So I've gone... What do you consider a long period of time? I mean, I can sit for maybe an hour and a half now at a stretch okay. before my bits kind of cry uncle and I have to either stand up or lie down or yeah. something. And actually, I found that Positions, any position other than sitting is a little easier usually. So like reclining in bed hmm. or standing mm -hmm. or what have you. So actually, I did get a, a standing desk and I found that to be Oh, handy. great. Yeah. It's like adjustable, got a motor? Yeah, it's got a motor. It goes up and down. And That's so hot. I got one of these little travel pillow jobbies. Those U-shaped. Oh. Yeah. But not for my neck, but rather to sit on. And... um as a tip for other trans women who might be going through this, it'd be handy to get one with a little snap at the end of the horseshoe. 
Mm-hmm. Because then you could snap this around, say your purse or something, and it's much easier to carry around. Just a few days ago, I had my one-month checkup appointment with my regular doctor. Mm-hmm. And this was, um, so just my regular doctor back home here in Texas. And naturally, she wasn't the one who did the surgery, but just to check that all the stitches were still looking okay and that the, there was no infection and things like that. And um, it, it went really well. She Yay. she examined things and so on, and after she had looked things over, she actually said to me, you know, for, for only being three months out, things are looking pretty good. And I said, uh, oh. well, actually, it's only been one month out. And so nice. at that point, she, she paused and she said, well, in that case, this is actually the best results I've, I've seen for this sort of surgery. Yay, uh, Yay. way to go, Ashley's body. Yeah. So I, I was really happy to hear that. Um, and then as well, I asked her, uh, I asked my doctor if she could give me like a tour of all the, the bits. Okay. Well, because like, so I know that there's like the labia majora and labia minora, and, you know, all, mm-hmm. all those things. It's one thing when you're looking at, at a diagram or when you're looking at it on someone else. But when it's your own thing and, you know, it's all reverse mirrored image and stuff, it, it's uh, harder to get your bearings. Okay. And not to mention that all, there's still a decent amount of swelling. So oh, yeah. it doesn't always look exactly like it does in the apology textbook, shall we say. Right. Yeah. But she quite helpfully did. She, she said, okay, this, this is, uh, you know, the labia and the, the clitoris and this is your urethra and so yeah she showed me all the bits and so on so i thought that was quite helpful that's really cool yeah are you curious about at all about the how they rearrange things to make the thing or well now i am uh i've I've just been assuming it was kind of magic but if you understand it then yeah please tell me please tell me all you can so i this is one of the things i actually asked dr bowers about during the pre-surgery appointment and that's not to say that I didn't do the broad strokes beforehand, but mm. I wanted to just get the specifics of it. So essentially what they did was they inverted my penis to create my vagina. And then since that gives you X amount of length, they also used parts of my scrotum for additional length. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then they used um, the the tip of my penis to create my clitoris, and then they rerouted my urethra. Oh. Yeah. Is that because extra nerve endings or what? As far as the clitoris part? Yeah. From a fetal development point of view, those two bits are, they start out being the same thing before they sort of divide into... Not so much boys and girls, but people have penises and people who don't. Oh, uh, yeah. So, well, that's brilliant. in that sense, it's the same sort of clump of nerve headings either way, so. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's neat. Yeah. Smart. Yeah. And actually, now I, I need to figure out how to masturbate again, but that's kind of a whole. <laughs> I think that sounds exciting. It does, but like. 
I mean, I hear, like, in my head, you hear about, like, the cheesy sort of, like, afternoon television special version of, like, oh, I was sitting in the washing machine or whatever. Uh Uh-huh. But surely there are more easier ways to do it. Yeah, I believe that there are. Yeah. So. Um, One of my favorite funny people, Avery Edison, is a trans woman who tweets funny things. Yes, I follow her, too. She's super hilarious. She has not had bottom surgery, and she has several jokes about how disappointing it is to try to orgasm with her her, uh, penis that is missing out on testosterone. Have have I got that right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, So would you say that even though you have to learn how, again, that it might be more satisfying for you? Yes, but maybe not for the reason that you think. Okay. Which is to say that masturbating before... Still meant dealing with these parts that were meant for someone else. Yeah. It's the whole thing of like being at the restaurant and feeling like, oh, wait, this isn't the dish I ordered. This was meant for another table. Oh. So, so now, I mean, I may have to learn how some of the new bits work and so on, but I, but at, at least the bits are the ones that are supposed to be there for me. Yeah. And one of the things that I I hadn't told a lot of people about, but um, going into the surgery, like, say, the days leading up to it, I was, like, 98% sure that this was the right surgery for me, that this was um, a, a good thing for me and so on. And now that I've had this surgery, I can say that I'm completely sure about that. Oh, good. Yes. Yeah. I was worried when you started that sentence. Yeah. That's awesome. It is. It is. It's, um, it's just, it's so nice to be able to just, like, look in the mirror when you're getting out of the shower or whatever. And it's like, oh, yeah, that's me. That's how these parts are supposed to look. <laughs> so nice. It is so nice. It is. Yeah. And just, like, I can wear any skirt in my closet without having to worry about, like, Making arrangements for things. Oh. We hadn't talked previously about making arrangements for things. Yeah. Like, take, for instance, a pencil skirt. Sure. That's one where I I would have been probably hesitant to wear beforehand. Just, I mean, because it's the kind of thing where it can be hard to take care of your your bits and and so on so that the skirt looks right. But these days, though, I can I can wear any of the skirts in my closet, and it's nice. Yay! Um, awesome. In fact, it's which is all the better because um, from talking with other friends who've gone through the surgery, it's actually it could be a few months before I can even wear jeans. Oh. Just because huh. just because of the way they can put pressure on your bits and so on. Oh well, just wear really baggy jeans. Oh, you mean like mom jeans? Sure, yeah. In the meantime, though, I can just wear skirts. That's great. Awesome, awesome, awesome. I don't suppose in in the the year that we've talked, you've come across anything new ladylike that you want to teach me? You know what? I do. Yeah, I got... Uh, You you can teach me two things. It's sort of two and a half choppies, but anyway, okay. Oh, wait, wait. I will round it down to two choppies. Okay, good. (laughs) So... The first one are these concealer jabbies, 
and these are um, for, these are from Urban Decay, and they're called uh, Naked Skin uh, Color Correcting Fluid. And mm. the first thing you'll probably notice is that they're unusual colors. Like this one is like an avocado green. Oh yeah. And then like this one is sort of like a jaundiced yellow. Did you have a lot of avocados in uh, California, where we have avocados on everything? I ate avocados at every opportunity. Okay, good. I'm so glad. Yes. And, in fact, Dinah, in her infinite generosity beforehand, before surgery, she said, how would you make up a list of all of your comfort foods, and then I will try to mm. get a bunch of those so that after surgery you can eat mm. them and be comfortable. <laughs> That's what you She's did. She's like the best person. So I, so what I think on list was was avocados because I think those might be nice. my favorite fruit. They're amazing. They're super yummy. But why is your concealer green? So it's green because it makes use of the color wheel. Well, it's science. It is science. Okay, so here we go. So here's a color wheel. Right on. And the deal with these color correcting concealers is that if you apply a color that's on the opposite side of the color wheel, you can cancel that out. Okay. So, for instance, okay, you got, say you have a blemish, which is kind of reddish. You can apply green to it. And so green is across from red. Right. And if you apply this onto that red blemish, you'll end up with sort of like a grayish color sort of thing. Oh. And so, which probably sounds, okay, why would you want to be the grayish color? But... You yeah. apply these before you put on your foundation. So the foundation kind of just evens everything out at the end. Oh, yeah. Okay. The yellowish one is handy because yellow is across from purple. And for me, at least, my under eye circles are kind of purple, which is like unsightly and whatever. But nonetheless, that's what I ended up with. But I can apply this and then you're here. And then blend that in, and then it kind of just helps conceal that, which I find super That's handy. interesting. Yeah. Why, why weren't previous primers and foundations already doing this work? It depends a lot on your skin tones. And, for example, you could have a foundation that had red in it, or, say, green in it. Oh. But... Oh. The downside to doing that is that, sure, it will cancel reddish parts of your skin tone, but say, say your cheeks are your desirable skin tone, the skin tone that you, you would like. If you then apply a greenish foundation, then you end up looking like the Hulk because there's nothing to cancel out there. <laughs> I see. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Right. So the foundation that was used on Edward Scissorhands that had a little bit of lavender in it, is there any good use for that? Uh, I guess the lavender one, that one would kind of work in the other direction, which is to say that um, in the same way that yellow is across from purple, so is, I guess, purple across from yellow. So yeah. if there were some, if someone had like a yellowish skin tone, you could apply some purple, I would kind of, uh, or yeah, and I would kind of cancel that out. All right, fair enough. Yeah. Okay. So I thought they just made that up for the movie. The downside now is that 
the, the price for these, so this is, how big is this? It's a point two one ounces. Oh. And this is $28. Man. But, but, a big caveat here is that unlike, say, foundation, you're not going to be using this every day unless you have a lot of acne or what have you. Oh, okay, yeah. So, right. and on top of that, unlike foundation, which you'd apply to your whole face, this you typically just apply a dot here and a dot there. Makes sense. Yeah. And just as a little extra bonus tip, if you might be worried about um, bacterial infection or what have you, I mean, what you can always do is take a bit of this, apply it to maybe the back of your hand, and then use a brush to apply from there, beep, 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 to whatever parts of your face you might need. Should I be worried about bacterial infection? Well, if you have uh, a blemish that looks like there might be some uh, bacteria involved in, in, with that, then if you use this little wandy jobby directly on that, then you might get some bacteria on this, and then you could be spreading that uh, bacteria for wherever else. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. I got another jobby here, which Good. is, this is from MAC, and it is a concealer. MAC Matchmaker Concealer, and it looks like, it comes in a tube that looks like lipstick. Or a vibrator. It could be. But anyway, you twist it and then it, it comes out the top. And yes. I've actually find this super handy as a concealer because it's, um, you get the one that matches whatever your skin tone is and then you can apply mm -hmm. it. And what's especially nice is that with the traditional liquid concealer, you end up sort of with like uh, little blobs of it or whatever and then you have to use a brush to smooth it out. Oh yeah. And blend in. With this one, because it's it's sort of like a lipsticky type of texture, you apply it and it's already basically flat. You, so more or less, for me at least, I apply this and then most of the time I only kind of need to blend the edges a bit. I, d I don't need to do much in the middle because it's already pretty much blended. So it, it acts, so it acts more like a ballpoint pen versus a fountain pen. Yeah. Yeah, that's not a bad analogy. Yeah. And so... Um, it's a perfect analogy for the year 2017 when everybody types everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's fair enough. Right. But, um, so this one, the MAC Matchmaker Concealer, this goes for $22. Which right. is also... How long is it going to last? Not the best pricing, at, but, you know, makeup is expensive. Uh, unfair. Yes, and unfortunately this one, it should last a while as well, I would think. Okay, good. Yeah, so those are, those are both jobbies that I can totally recommend. And, um, and one thing that I should mention as far as, I guess, the color correcting bits is that um, it really depends on your own skin tone as far as the one that works right for you. Oh, yeah. So... Which is to say, I gave the example about, like, for me, I have sort of purplish under eye circles, and so I go for yellow. Mm. But, um, I mean, perhaps your 
or I'm, I'm saying you as in listeners, perhaps yours are more bluish. So you might have to go for one that's more kind of orangish or it's kind of salmon yeah. color. So in my case, yes, I go for kind of yellowish color, but that's because of the stupid color of my under eye circles. So it really depends on each person's different colors that you're trying to offset. Right on. Yeah. Thank you, darling. Yeah, it's my pleasure. Yeah. So those, those, are, those are good things. Yeah. Handy, handy, handy. Well, how, are you, how are you feeling about the near-term and long-term future? I'm, I'm really happy to have this, this surgery out of the way. I mean, it's, it's one that um, it's not going to be my last surgery because I also plan on having top surgery. But I want to get this one out of the way in part because it's, it's one of the harder ones. Oh, yeah. You were also telling me that you were going to get a tattoo of the map of the London Underground on your scalp. <laughs> I think... I made that up. Yeah. I, I, I'm open to a tattoo sometime. Probably not the London Underground. Probably not on my head. But yeah, right. sometime. Yeah. And uh, having, having this surgery all the way, it's, it's something that um, it redu- reduces a lot of worries day to day which is to say things like i can if i want to wear a skirt one day i can just pick a skirt out of my closet without having to worry about how i'm going to rearrange my jumbly bits or one of the other things honestly is like i can go through the tsa x-ray jibbity jobs without worrying about how I'm going to appear on the little screen. Yeah. Things like that. Yeah, there's like there's like a hundred ways probably in which your life just got easier. Yeah. Yeah, it's it is it is easier. Or I mean it even just things like once it's time for uh like if I, if I go on vacation and if there's a pool at the hotel or something, like mm. I could wear a swimsuit that I would like to wear without worrying about how to make arrangements for things yeah. and so on. That's cool. So it's, it really helps a lot. Yeah. And I'm, I'm going to be quite looking forward to the points where I don't have to dilate as much because that part really is inconvenient. Yeah. And it's, yeah, just, it's kind of annoying. Well, congratulations. Thank you. Thanks. Yeah. I'm, I feel good to have this out one out of the way, and then maybe, I don't know, a year or two, I'll go for t- top surgery or something. So, well, we all love you. Well, thanks. And we're rooting for thanks you. Thanks so much. Yeah. So I, I hope that, I think my recovery is on track, as far as I can tell, and it, it just seems to be getting a little better each day. So. Sweet. Yeah. Um, where can we get more minute updates? You can get updates. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter. At Snuggle Polish. If you're interested in musings about things I say to inanimate objects around the house, there's Hello Croutons, which I also tweet from. Okay. And of course, <laughs> for people who want to write into the show, there's misgenderpodcast at gmail.com. Perfect. And you're Jay Frosting on Twitter. Well, I hope you have a lovely evening. Don't forget to dilate uh, and eat dinner. Yes, yes, thank you, Jay. I will, I will do my best to do both of those things. Okay, good. Yay! Bye, sweetie. Cool. See you later. Bye!